Heavenly Father, once again we come before you and we're thankful for the grand hymns of the faith that we can sing. And Lord, the questions that some of the songs ask. And we're glad that we can say with surety, based upon God's own word, that we are washed in the blood of the Lamb and we expect to be in those mansions bright. Lord, we're thankful that we have a great outlook. We have a great future in you and your word for those that are saved. But, Lord, we pray for those that may be with us that are not saved today, that the Holy Spirit would give them understanding of their sin and their need for a Savior, and that even today they would trust in Jesus as their personal Savior. Lord, we just ask that you would use this time that we may bring honor and glory to your name and lift it up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing for the next hymn. The book of Luke, chapter 7. Luke, chapter 7. And let's just, for the sake of emphasis this morning, start our reading in verse 48, and then we'll pick up the context. And he, this is Jesus speaking here, said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. If you're here today, you may have brought many many burdens of this life with you, many complicated things. You may be thinking that I have specific needs that only Jesus can meet, but I want to challenge you today, if you're thinking anything is more important than having your sins forgiven, you're in big trouble. It is the greatest problem that a human being has. It is the greatest need that a human being can express in their lives. If your sins are not forgiven, nothing else matters. Isn't that true? Jesus said, if a man gained the whole world, what's he profited? And lose his own soul. And this story here is really, I mean, if we just read the entire story, which we will in just a moment, is kind of a strange story, is it not? And be careful. Don't get Luke chapter 7 mixed up with Mark chapter 14 or John chapter 12, uh, where Jesus was anointed uh, Uh, the week that he was crucified, that was a different one. His response was entirely different. Everything about the story was different except for the anointing. And so what we have here is really a story that has no precedent. No one had ever done this before. It was kind of strange to think of Someone washing the dust off Jesus' feet with tears and then drying them with the hairs of her head. I mean, that's what happened here. 
I mean, we live in, a, in America and, you know, we, we believe in personal space, do we not? I mean, somebody gets too close to you, you, you start feeling a little uncomfortable, don't you? And, uh, you know, some people need more personal space than others. Uh, you know, uh, you get down in the subways, especially in the hot summer, and everybody's just sitting there all cramped up together. I'll tell you what, that, uh, that, that gets to me a little bit. How, how many other people? I mean, uh, I think it would be a, a, an unusual person indeed who could just stand there and not be affected by all those things. That's why we put our iPod, you know, our phone, headphones in our ears and turn the music up loud, and, and uh, now... They're going to invent a pair of glasses that you can put on and watch TV shows while you're on the subway. Could you imagine that? Uh, a total disconnection. I wonder how many people are going to die because of Google Glass. I mean, uh, uh, just curious about this stuff. Uh, I mean, the light changes, the crosswalk goes red, and there they are sitting there texting right across the crosswalk. Drives me crazy. But... People do crazy things. And what is so strange is people do all these crazy things and they read this story in the Bible and say, this woman was crazy. Uh, I want to challenge you. It just might be the other way around. And uh, let's start reading in verse 36. And I just want us to explore this story and to look at these things. But I want you to remember... The end of the story, Jesus said, Thy sins are forgiven thee. That's what the center of this story is. If you make anything else the center of this story, you do violence to the Scripture. And we don't want to do that this morning. Verse 36, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and to wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, of which of them will he love the, will, of which, which of them will love him the most? Simon, this is the Pharisee, not Peter, answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. And he, Jesus, said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? 
I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he saith, said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within himself, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now when we read this story, we get caught up in the details. I mean... To have somebody do something like this. I mean, it's just totally foreign to us today. I mean, we would think wrongly about a person who would come in and take your shoes off and kiss your feet. We'd think they have some kind of problem. And that's just the difference between our culture and theirs. And so you have to take this thing as it was played out in the first century, that there was nothing wrong, nothing untoward, nothing of a poor character that this woman did. We do not have that kind of contact today with strangers. We just don't do it. That's us. In fact, we don't have that kind of contact with friends. Uh, Just, you leave my feet alone. I'll I'll take care of them myself. I mean, that's the way we are. And when we read this story, it's kind of hard for us to get into what actually happened here. To view it as Jesus viewed it. And I want us to, to do that this morning. And it's kind of strange because the Pharisees were huge washers. I mean, they washed their hands, they washed the pots, they washed the spoons, they washed the people, they, uh, I mean, they washed everything. And, and we go back to the context here and Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees for their unbelief. He is giving them one of the sternest rebukes. He says, you're... Bu- like a bunch of little children in the marketplace playing games. I mean, how more cutting could you be? And this Pharisee here apparently thought himself a step above all the others. Because if somebody had rebuked you that sharply and just said your life was like little children playing games, would you invite them over for dinner to have uh, communion with them and to talk with them. No, you'd, you kind of want to get away from them. He didn't think that that condemnation applied to him. He, he felt he was one of those Pharisees that believed in Jesus and, and really knew who Jesus was and, and, and respected him as the great teacher. That's where the problem is. 
Because Jesus was the greatest of all teachers. But he's a little more than that, amen? And so Jesus is sitting at meat. He walks in the house. Apparently they don't take time for the normal things of all the washings and everything. And they sit down to, to dinner and they're there eating. And this woman walks in the door. And your Bible describes her. It just uses very simple words. It says that she was a sinner. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. Now, again, let's understand the Bible in its proper context. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a one of us that aren't a sinner. So why was she referred to in this way as a sinner? Well, it was because she had a special classification. Thus, when the Jewish people here, this was a Jewish story, it happened in a Jewish home, a Pharisee, a, what we might say a super Jew, I mean someone who is really concerned with all of the traditions and things. You know, they classified people. When the term sinner was used about a person... They were recognizing that they were of Jewish parentage and Jewish heritage, that they were part of Israel. This was not a Gentile woman. She was a Jewish woman. But a sinner was someone that had a public testimony for not caring one bit about the Word of God. These were Jews, but you would see them out digging in the garden on Sabbath. And they loved. I mean, here in, in New York City, uh, years, uh, a generation ago, it was hugely a Catholic city. And, and every once in a while, I met a, uh, uh, an older person, and they said, man, said, I loved going in the diner on Friday and ordering a big steak just to torque all the Catholics off. And uh, because they believed you couldn't eat red meat on Friday. And, and that's what this woman would be doing. They'd have the oven going on the Sabbath, which you weren't supposed to do. They didn't care, never showed up at the temple, never, never did anything according to the Bible when we think of sinner, we think of great immorality and all of this, and that may or may not have been involved, but the reason she was called a sinner was because she cared nothing about the teachings and the way that the Bible taught to live. She paid no attention to those things. Everybody knew it. She was proud of the fact she was unashamed in her sinning. That's why she was called a sinner. She didn't try to hide it. Everybody knew. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege or opportunity to live in small town America, rural America. But it has some challenges, my friend. 
your neighbor knows what you ate for breakfast because they can smell uh, the, the smells coming out of your kitchen. Uh, they know how new your clothes are because they go out on the line in the back. And they know when you buy a new car or anything because they see it. And everybody talks about everybody. You see, does it, is it really like that? In, can somebody help me out and say, yeah, that's the way it is. You see, you don't dare do that here in New York City. Because it might be a drug shipment that's coming in and you get in a lot of trouble for figuring that one out. Uh, your neighbor might be an axe murderer and you just really don't want to know him that well, right? Uh, I mean, that's some of the excuses we use, but we live in a city of strangers here, do we not? We meet people every day, we shake their hands and don't even know their names. That's the way it is here. That's not the way it was here. Everybody knew everything about everybody. You know, there are some nice things about living in the city, amen? For her to show up at the Pharisee's doorstep, Let me tell you something. They didn't need Wi-Fi to get the signal out. Everybody in town knew where this woman was going. They had no idea what she was going to do. I don't even know what name. Let's just call her the sinner. Everybody's, the sinner's going to Simon's house. Come on, let's go. Let's find out what's going to happen. Get out their binoculars and focus them in. So they could see everything that was going to go on. They wanted to know. Maybe she's finally going to tell him off. Uh, they didn't know what was going to go on. They didn't know why she was going there. I, I, she did. Now one of the greatest problems that we face in the religious world is hypocrisy, is it not? And one of the largest obstacles for people to come to Christ is hypocrisy. And yet I want to challenge you, if you're alive today, you're guilty of it at one time or another in your life. It's a scary thing. We always lose our temper at the worst possible time, do we not? It's just not, we're human beings. You see, this woman being a sinner not only participated in sin herself, she probably knew what the Pharisees did when the lights were turned down low and nobody was looking. She had all the dirt on everybody in town because she was part of it. And one of the greatest obstacles for her to overcome was she was going into the home 
if Mr. Simon was a traditional Pharisee of one of the biggest hypocrites in town. And yet, the most outstanding characteristic of the true chronic hypocrite is a condemnation of everybody else who's not as good as they are. Isn't that true? In fact, we read the story that he said within himself, if Jesus were a real prophet, if he were like Isaiah of old or Elijah of old, I mean, he'd be burning this woman to crisp. He, he wouldn't let her get in the front door if he knew who she was, let alone to touch him. I mean, he's, he's defiled. She's a sinner. She's, she's made him unclean. You know what? I'm glad that nobody ever made Jesus unclean. When the woman who had the issue of blood touched Jesus, she got made clean, not the other way around. Amen? When Jesus reached out and touched the buyer holding the unclean dead body of a young man, that body had no alternative except to come back to life and be clean again because Jesus touched it. So we understand this Pharisee has no idea who Jesus really is. But she did. She knew who he was. And she had one thing in mind. That's the key to the whole passage. She wanted forgiveness of sins. She wanted to be rid of the burden and the guilt of this world. Never ceases to amaze me. Uh, I was walking up the street and picked up a little card just laying there, an advertisement, because I thought I saw the name church on the card. And so I figured I'd just pick it up and... It says, a new church in Astoria, we want to offer you a relationship with God that has no guilt and no condemnation. Now, if you're saved here today, how many of you feel guilty about being saved? Would you just raise your hand? And we'll sign you up for lots of counseling because you don't understand what salvation is. Amen? Jesus takes away guilt. But how many of you, when you got saved, felt guilty? In fact, I want to challenge you, if you didn't feel guilty when you got saved, you might not have gotten saved, even though you said the right words. Because unless you're willing to acknowledge your sin to a holy God, you don't get saved. God isn't here to put another layer of plaster on the outside and make it look better. He's here to give you a brand new life. And you've got to give him the old one first. And that's where the sin comes in. Amen? It's embarrassing to explain to God who you are even though he already knows everything about you. He already knows every sin. And yet we as human beings are afraid to tell something to God that he already knows. Why? It's called pride. 
I, I want to challenge you that this woman dealt with the number one obstacle to loving God. Pride. She got over herself. For her to show up at the door of the Pharisee. I mean, every mouth in that town was buzzing. Who does she think she is going in there? Don't she know she's going to get thrown out? And she didn't. And when the story finally got around of what she did, they were going, why? Why did Jesus let that, that happen? Why, why did he? I want you to understand something. When the demons spoke and said, he is the Christ, what did Jesus do? Shut them up, didn't he? He suffered them not to speak. Because God doesn't need the devil's advertising. He didn't stop her now, did he? In fact, he elevated her a little bit. He said, she treated me better than you did, Simon. She has given me more honor and respect than you would ever think of in your wildest imaginations of giving to me. And I want us to, to think about this. Because the Pharisee had indignation in his heart because she was in his house. And it's really interesting as we come into our modern day time, people confuse what this woman did here with accepting worldliness in the church. Now, you've got to think about that one a minute. You see, Jesus did not accept her because of her sin. He did not give her license to sin. He understood that she was seeking forgiveness for her sins. And people will use this story to say, Jesus let the sinner uh, anoint his feet with oil and, uh, I mean, with ointment and kiss his feet and, and, and wash them with her hair. Jesus allowed this uh, uh, close contact with this sinner. And so who are you to say that we shouldn't have sinners come in the church? And we shouldn't have music that will uh, uh, encourage them and make them feel comfortable. Could I challenge you? Nothing close to that happened here. This woman was not comfortable in the Pharisee's house. She had to get over that before she walked through the door. She had the eyes of every quote-unquote righteous person righteous man staring at her and saying, what are you doing here? You don't belong in this place. She said, no, I, I belong. 
because I want forgiveness for my sins. I don't think a one of us experienced the anguish that she did in coming to our salvation. And we're not here seeking an experience. But this story was put in here for a purpose. It was put in here to give us some instruction. You see, Jesus explains her love. He said, Simon, let me, let me just put a story to you. We got two people here, two debtors. They owe the same man money, 50 pence and 500 pence. And uh, if you just take the word pence, that's where we get our modern day penny. And people say, okay, so the one guy owed him five bucks and the other guy owed him 50 bucks. Well, wait a minute. Let's put it in the biblical context again. Uh, In the parable of the vineyard, what was the day's wages? He agreed with them for a penny. 50 days wages. That's almost three months work. Nearly a quarter of a year's salary. Uh, No small amount, my friend. But the other guy had ten times that. You do the math, figure out how many years' salary that was. Two and a half or something like that. You make $100,000 times two and a half. Uh, That's a pretty hefty chunk of change, my friend. And it says that neither one, the guy owned 50 days wages or the guy owned the 500 days wages, neither one had the money and so the Lord forgave them both. He just wiped out the debts. And Jesus said, which one is going to love the man that forgave them the most? Is this a trick question? I mean, the guy that got the most is going to love the most. The guy that was forgiven the most is going to care for this man more than the other man. And Jesus said, you're right. That's the answer I was looking for. You see, she's been forgiven for a lot. The problem is, Mr. Simon, you think you've only been forgiven for a little. And you know, in our relationship with God, as we walk with the Lord, I call it getting comfortable with our Christianity. we get to a point where we're not doing all the things that we used to do. Things are actually improving, but we're still sitting. I mean, uh, do we need to do this again? How many of you have sinned since Thursday night? Would you please raise your hands? Uh, And if you don't, you just added another one to the list. Amen? Because we are sinners by nature. Now, we're not the same as this woman here because she had a testimony for a total 
disregard of God's law, that was what her life was before she met Jesus. But all that's going to change. You see, she had to overcome some things. She had to come overcome her opinion of herself, number one. You know what? You can't witness to someone who thinks they're a good person. You can't witness to them. They got to get past that first. They got to understand they're a sinner or you cannot go on. If you have the opportunity to present the gospel to someone, deal with sin first. Jesus always did. And if they'll look at you and say, well, I'm not that bad of a person, you say, well, listen, uh, what's in the Bible is really not for you because it's only for sinners. You know what? Nobody had to sit this woman down and explain to her that she was a sinner. A few years ago, I, we had a group visit our church and the man who was in charge of it said, yeah, we, we do these dramas. And he said, these dramas really help people understand about their sin. I said, brother, I don't want to take offense with you, but this is New York City. And if there's any subject that people do not need more information on, it is sin. I mean, we know what it is. It's everywhere. Everybody does it. I mean, this, this is a sinful city. Would anybody argue with me about that? See, nobody had to argue with her about who and what she was. But the hardest thing for her to get past was all of the criticism, hatred that had been leveled at her because of her sin by people who were no better off than she was. Hypocrisy. It's terrible. But it's everywhere. In fact, if you're a human being, you've dabbled in it yourself. But you stay close to Jesus and he'll keep you from it. Amen. She had to walk in there. Now, I guess the way I'd like to put it this morning is this. And this is why Jesus had to explain what she did. She was so dependent upon her love for Jesus that everything that everybody else was doing no longer mattered. Does that make sense? You see, she was motivated by her love for Jesus to do what she did. And Jesus had to explain to this Pharisee that her love was based upon the forgiveness of her sins. And it says, 
And we have to be careful as we read our Bible here. It says in verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now you read that, and you'll say, Oh, okay, she was saved because she loved Jesus. No, no, read the rest of the passage. What's the last verse say? And he said unto the woman, verse 50, Thy what? Thy faith has saved thee. So you only get saved one way in the Bible. That's by grace through faith. Amen? There's only one way to get saved. But I'll tell you what, faith has a lot of expressions. And that's what she did. She was expressing her faith in Jesus Christ by showering him with this act of love. It was misunderstood by everybody else in there. Jesus didn't misunderstand it because true love is when you get close enough to God to get a little of his nature rubbed off that you can pass on to someone else. Amen? You see, God loves it when his son is lifted up. God loves it when Jesus is exalted. I want to tell you, the king was not treated as well as Jesus was by this woman on this occasion. She was honoring him and exalting him. And is that not what true worship is all about? I mean, we call this a worship service. Uh, I really think if we wanted to be more correct, this would be a preparation to worship service because we talk about things here that need to be put in action in our life so that we can live a life that brings worship to God through the coming week. Could we say amen to that? Now, let's try to apply this. How many of you have ever been afraid to tell somebody else about Jesus? All of us have. Uh, She wasn't. You know why she wasn't afraid? Because she was trying to express her love for Jesus. You know why we don't do so well sometimes in our evangelistic efforts? Preacher says we got to pass out tracks. Okay, here we go. Track, track, track. I did it. I did what he said. And you've received your reward. And I've received mine, and nothing gets done. Could we ask the Lord to give us the ability to pass out a track 
because I love Jesus. I think that would change something about us. And maybe people would perceive that change. You see, we get used to doing things. And we don't have time this morning, not going to take it, but Jesus told the church at Ephesus they lived, they lost their first love. Go back and do the works. Well, how do we do the works? Well, the motivation for our works, the motivation for what we do should be a love for the Savior, a desire to lift Him up and to make Him special, to show that He's different. You don't show that Jesus is different by walking by the uh, table where the Islam guys are sitting there and saying, bunch of fools, and walk on down the street. Now, are they? Yes. Because if you don't believe Jesus is God, that puts you, Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool said in his heart, there is no God. I mean, let's, let's get there, but that's not, that's not of the Lord. I met a guy one time, he had a big poster on top of his car. The Pope is a dope. And he'd drive all around town. He thought he was doing something for God that, by doing that. Those are some extreme examples. And we could give worse. Because mankind is always trying to do something, draw attention to himself. But this woman did what she did because she wanted to express her love to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't know. In fact, I would really question that she had this whole thing planned out once she walked in there. We do know that she carried this alabaster box of ointment, which was probably the most precious thing she had. But to think that she went in and had just planned to weep and wash the dust off Jesus' feet with her tears. I mean, this was a Pharisee's house. Usually that got done on the way in. I think she just walked in with a heart full of love and saw the need. Maybe she had intended to put it on his head and then realized, you know what, I'm not worthy to do that. That's not my place. Maybe I'll just stay at his feet because that's really where I belong. I hope you don't think I'm doing harm to Scripture this morning, but I, I want you to understand the thought process here because we need a little bit of that in our lives. We believe in coming boldly to the throne of grace because the Bible tells us to. And I'll tell you, there's no woman bolder in Scripture than this woman was right here. 
who came right through the ranks of all the quote-unquote righteous and self-righteous people in town to throw herself at the feet of Jesus. You see, she refused to be ashamed and please take this the right way. She, she was there to get forgiveness for her sins. She didn't try to hide them. She didn't try to box them up and make them look nice. She brought them. Her life was an open display. Everybody knew who and what she was. And she came to Jesus just as she was with everything she had. And it wasn't nice. I think that's a beautiful picture of the word in the Bible called repentance. Amen? She washed his feet. She was not hindered by the self-righteous and the self-judgment of others and the judgment that was heaped upon her. Her love for the Savior exceeded what everybody else thought and would think of her. And Jesus accepted her worship and sent her away by saying, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. I've often tried to remind us that we need to live the way we got saved. You see, when we came to Jesus for salvation, we weren't talking about how good we were. We were talking about how good he is. Amen? We weren't talking about what we could do. We're talking about what Jesus did, how he died on the cross and paid the price for my sins. We weren't talking about what we could do for Jesus. What we were talking about was what Jesus could do for us, forgive my sins and save my soul. We came to him and said, I love you, Lord, for saving me just as I am. Now, I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge myself. Jesus is not here physically. You cannot wash his feet. You cannot repeat what she did. In fact, if you repeated what she did, you would do it just simply out of an attempt to do something for God. That's why... He's given us his word. But if you've been saved by faith, how much has God forgiven you for? I mean, we make the 500 pence guy look like a cheapskate, don't we? If we understood who and what we are, we would have to identify more with the woman than with the Pharisee. Amen? 
And if we love the Lord, and we say we love the Lord, Jesus said, if ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. And so oftentimes we say, well, I love the Lord. I've got to love the Lord. There really isn't any other choice. So, uh, so I'll do what, I, do what he says. And that, that's not necessarily what God's looking for. When is the last time you opened this book and said, God, I want to read this book because I love you. I want to show my love to you. So I'm going to set this book up on high. It's going to be different. I'm going to read this book simply because I want to show my love for you. When is the last time you came to a church service and said, I want to come to church today, Lord, because I want to show you that I love you. You we, We don't think that way. But we ought to. He said, they'll know you are my disciples by your what? Love one for another. You know, we're a church of human beings. When is the last time somebody here did something that kind of just rubbed you the wrong way? Well, probably Thursday night. Uh, I, I mean, we're human beings. When is the last time when somebody rubbed you the wrong way, you said, Lord, I'm going to give that to you because I love you and I'm supposed to be here and I'm not going to allow that to rankle in my soul and cause problems in my heart because I love you more than I do anything else that's here and my love for you must bleed over to others. I'll be as forgiving of them as you are forgiving of me. Ooh, that gets scary, doesn't it? They'll just trample all over me and wear their golf spikes when they do it. No, listen. You don't think this woman suffered reproach for what she did? Let me tell you, she did. Everybody in town was talking about her, and it wasn't nice. But she knew one thing, her sins, which were many, were all washed away. And the stains that were deep were all cleansed out because her sins were forgiven by Jesus Could we ask, if you're here today and you're saved, would you ask God to open your eyes, to open your heart to something that you could do this coming week just to show Jesus your love.
That's what this woman did. You know what? It might be something that you're not thinking about. In fact, I guarantee it'll be something you're not thinking about. Because we don't think right. But if you're here and you're saved, would you ask God? It may be as simple as reading your Bible with a different attitude. It may be as simple as passing out a track or inviting someone you work with to come to church with you. It may be much more. I don't know what God wants to do in your life. But I do know that he in heaven, when we get there, wants to take what he has done in our lives and use it as a demonstration of his goodness. And it wouldn't hurt us at all to ask him to pray. What can I do to show my love for you? You know what? You can be saved and get so comfortable with your God's with God's forgiveness for your sins that you don't even Love him for the forgiveness. That you get down here to this altar and don't leave till God straightened that out. If you're here today and you're not saved, I challenge you, don't leave until at least you know what the Bible says about trusting Jesus as your Savior. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, you told this woman, thy sins are forgiven. Lord, I pray that that statement would be true of each one in this auditorium this morning. That every every soul represented here would have trusted you as their Lord and as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you would open my eyes to see what you would have me do to show my love for you. Lord, I pray that you'd make us sensitive to the little things that could be done. I pray that you would change our hearts' attitudes. Lord, that we would learn to lift up the name and the life of your Son, Jesus, that he might receive glory through the church. Lord, so many things could have been said this morning and probably should have been I pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to minister to hearts and that this time here together would change us, that we may truly worship you, not only on Sunday, 
but each and every day of the week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.